Welcome to the Reach College Podcast with your speaker, Pastor Taylor Gatt. You are consuming things that tear you down. Quit feeding yourself the lie that God failed and now you're stuck. Growing up, I had uh, two sisters that, that both struggled with mental health. Uh, they had uh, various uh, issues of their own, and, and I didn't really struggle with that when I was younger, uh, so a lot of times I didn't really understand it either. I kind of had this mentality that was like, it's your brain, tell it what to do. And it didn't make sense to me that they, that they seemed to struggle with their own thoughts and they, they couldn't seem to control uh, what they were thinking about. Well, a long time later, I, I, some of you know I was in the military, and I, I went to a training course. And as a part of this training course, we got very little food and very little sleep. And what I realized from being in that course is that uh, lack of food and sleep really throws off a lot of the balances and the chemicals in your head, right? So you, you seem, you, when you're not getting your nourishment, when you're not getting your rest, you start to lose some of your edge. You start to lose some of the things you think about. Being in college does this, right? So in that course, it was December, we were in the mountains of North Georgia, and we began a process daily of climbing up these mountainsides with our, with our backpacks on that were steep enough that I would have to prop my feet on a tree, on the base of a tree, and grab a hold of a tree above me and pull myself up the side of this mountain, and we would spend hours on the side of these mountains, and the whole time, it felt like having a panic attack. It felt like being overwhelmed by the situation I was in, and then it got to the point where at the beginning of that process, when I would get to the base of a mountain, I would start to have anxiety. As I was coming up to the mountain, I thought, just don't panic. Don't panic. Control your thoughts. It'll be okay. And as soon as I would hit the side of the mountain and begin the ascent, full-blown panic, full-blown meltdown. Only, uh, I, I would actually begin thinking harmful thoughts about myself because I thought maybe if I can just get hurt, they'll take me off this mountain. I won't have to do this anymore. It's a completely irrational thought, right? Because I'm on the side of a mountain. What happens if you get hurt on the side of a mountain? You're stuck on the side of a mountain. You can't just get taken off. It can't carry me. Okay, so I, I'm having these irrational, harmful thoughts. And then when I would get to the top of the mountain, there would be this wave of relief. And I would go, why was I panicking? And then it hit me for the first time in my life. Sometimes you can't control your brain. You can't just tell yourself, think different thoughts. So tonight, we're going to be in Daniel chapter 1. And we're going to talk about what the Bible shows us in regards to what we're consuming, what we're putting in our heads and in our bodies, and how that prepares us for battle. See, mental health is a real battle. But what are you consuming to help you fight that battle? Think about it like this. When you're thirsty, you drink water. What happens if you drink Mountain Dew? You get more thirsty. 
it dehydrates you. It doesn't fix the problem. If you're hungry, you go eat dinner. If you eat cake, you might feel full, but you're not getting the nutrition that your body needs. You're consuming the wrong thing for the problem. If you're sick, you take medicine. What do you take the medicine for? You take the medicine for what the sickness is. If you take cold medicine to deal with cancer, what's it going to do? Absolutely nothing. What happens if you have insomnia and you take a caffeine pill? It's going to make you worse. You're going to go the wrong direction. So what you consume can have a direct effect, even a negative effect, on what you're going through. The question is, how are you fighting this battle? Look at Daniel 1, starting in verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord handed Jehoiakim, king of Judah, over to him, along with some of the vessels of the house of God, and he brought them to the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the vessels into the treasury of his God. Then the king told Ashpenaz, the chief of his officials, to bring in some of the sons of Israel, including some of the royal family and of the nobles, uh, youths in whom there was no impairment, who were good-looking, suitable for instruction in every kind of expertise, endowed with understanding and discerning knowledge, and who had the ability to serve in the king's court. And he ordered Ashpenaz to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. The king also allotted for them a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank and ordered that they be educated for three years, at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. Now among them from the sons of Judah were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Then the commander of the officials assigned new names to them. And to Daniel he assigned the name Belshazzar, to Hananiah Shadrach, to Mishael Meshach, and to Azariah Abednego. Okay, so what's the setting here? The Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar, he is besieging Jerusalem. That's where we start this story. Now, uh, there's no indication of how long this siege goes on, but let's talk about some of the things that are implied in siege. Siege means war. Not just war, which is already death and destruction, but a losing war. If you're the one being besieged, you are not winning the war. On top of that, there's just death, there's starvation, people can't get enough, there is um, isolation and fear, there's also a loss, of, a loss of pride. People are demoralized. This is a bad situation. They are afraid and surrounded. And then verse 2 lets us know something interesting. God lets them lose. God lets them lose. Now, why is that? There's two reasons that we lose. The first reason that God lets us lose is discipline for sin. The second reason we lose is to build a testimony to who God is. But both of these reasons, they are designed to produce growth in you. And some of you are already picking up on where I'm going with this, and you're saying, wait a minute, are you telling me that my mental health struggle could be a form of discipline? Like something I did brought this on? It can be. Hear me out on this. God can be letting you suffer through a mental health struggle to rethink the worldly things you're consuming. 
to rethink the actions of your life that are leading you down this path. But it could also be a struggle that's a trial designed to grow your testimony to who God is, your dependence on Him. So Paul, in the New Testament, talks about having a thorn in his flesh. And what does he say about that thorn? He says that that thorn caused him to be more dependent on God. And God left it there. But you know what it doesn't say? It doesn't say if the thorn is physical. It doesn't say if the thorn is spiritual. And it doesn't say if the thorn is mental. Because it doesn't matter. Whatever was afflicting Paul, and by the way, it doesn't say whether it was self-inflicted or not. But the reality is whatever was afflicting Paul, it was causing him to depend on Jesus. So whether it was discipline and sin in his life, it was causing him to reach out to Jesus to fix it. And, And if it was just a trial, same thing. But here's the problem. In our generation, if I stand up here and I tell you that it could be discipline, what you hear is that it's not real. But that's not the same thing. Me telling you that there's a spiritual aspect is not me telling you it's fake. It's also not me telling you if you would just pray more, it would just go away. It's not magic. It's not that you just have to do the spiritual answer and you flip the spiritual switch on and then the spiritual problem is fixed. It doesn't make it fake. Think about this. We live in a broken world. If you have a broken body, your body can be sick. If you had cancer, I would tell you to go get chemo. But do you know what else I would tell you to do? Pray. You still need to address the spiritual side effect of your physical condition. And in the same way, if you have a broken mind, a mental health struggle, and you have depression, I'm not saying don't take medicine. I'm not saying it's fake. I'm saying don't ignore the spiritual side of it. Don't only chalk it up to a physical worldly issue and forget that everything in our life comes back to who is God? Who is God and how does He want me to get through this? In Israel's case right here, this is a discipline issue. Go read 2 Kings. 2 Kings is just one giant justification for why the Israelites go into exile for 70 years. So we see that next. What's next? Exile and plunder. Plunder means poverty and embarrassment. Plunder means that the riches of their land have been taken away. Why is it embarrassing? Because they took God's vessels out of his temple, the things created to worship God, and they took them away and they put them in a temple of a foreign God. It looks like God lost. This is embarrassing. And then what does exile mean? It means you've been captured. You're a prisoner. It means you've lost your family your culture, everything that's familiar to you, everything that's comfortable. You've lost all of that. And then, check this one out, you're probably wondering what comes next. You're on your way to a foreign land, you've been ripped out of your home, out of your family, and you don't know what comes next. I think that factor is at the heart of a lot of the mental health struggles that go on in this room. You don't know what's coming next. And that single factor drives us into a place that our our minds can't handle. And then it's going to get even worse. We're going to jump down. Look at at verse 7. Verse 7, Daniel's name, Daniel means God is my judge. It gets changed to Belshazzar, which means Bel. Bel was the son of Marduk. These are foreign Babylonian gods. 
That name, Belshazzar, means Bel protect me. Hananiah, his name means Yahweh is gracious. That gets changed to Shadrach, which means command of Aku. Aku was the moon god of Babylon. And then Mishael, his name means who is what God is, or who is like God. His name gets changed almost to a complete swap of that exact phrase. It gets changed to Meshach, who is what Aku is, who is like Aku. And then Azariah, his name means Yahweh has helped or Yahweh will help. It gets changed to Abednego, which is servant of Nebo. Okay, I want you to understand what just happened. They've been renamed. Their identity is being ripped away from them. They're not just away from family and away from home. Who they are is under attack. And on top of that, it's an attack on their belief system. They're being renamed, made to be in the image of foreign gods that have, that it looks like have just defeated Yahweh. Listen to me. If your identity is in anything other than Christ, the world can steal it from you. What happens when you build your identity on the shifting sands of this world and it shifts away from you? What happens when your identity is in your career and then you lose your job? What happens when your identity is in your major and you drop out of school? What happens when your identity is in your relationship and you go through a breakup? Listen, these guys have lost their homes, their families, their freedoms, and even their identities. Any one of these things is enough to cause any one of us to have a mental health crisis. And we're still just in the setting for the entire book of Daniel. The question becomes this, what am I consuming? Verse 3 through 5, we're going to see that it says that they took royal youths or from the noble families. Why? Why royal? The Babylonians have this really cool strategy uh, to re-educate the leaders or the, the children of the leaders of the land, so the future leaders of the land. So think about it like this. They're going to take the future leaders of a conquered people, rip them away from their family, their home, and their culture, and then teach them to be Babylonian. Teach them that this is who you are. This is what, this is what you should appreciate. It's actually brilliant because it, it, it has that strategy alone can dismantle an entire culture. When their leaders begin to think that they're Babylonians, it also has a short-term effect. There's not many rebellions when your leadership has been deported to a far-off land and is learning to be a part of, the, of their captor. And then it says to teach them literature and language for three years. What does that sound like? College. Sounds just like college. They are going to get educated with a curriculum that's designed, by the way, to instill a certain set of values in them. And they get a special diet. It's not just cafeteria food, it's the king's food. Look in verse 8. But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. The commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king who has allotted your food and your drink, for why should he see your faces looking gaunt in comparison to the youths who are your own age? 
Then you would make me forfeit my head to the king. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, Please put your servants to the test for ten days, and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be examined in your presence, and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food, and deal with your servants according to what you see. So he listened to them and in, uh, in this matter, and put them to the test for ten days. And at the end of ten days their appearance seemed better, and they were fatter than all the youths who had been eating the king's choice food. So the overseer continued to withhold their choice food and the wine they were to drink, and kept giving them vegetables." Okay, so it says in verse 8 that Daniel made up his mind. He resolved in his mind. This is not an emotional thing. He made a decision. I want you to keep something in mind here. Babylonian, Persian, Chaldean education programs for these kind of noble youths, they would have started at 14 or 15 years old. So at best, Daniel is 15 years old when this starts. I don't know about you, but I don't think I was more mentally stable when I was 15 than I am now. But what does he decide? He decides not to defile himself. Okay, this passage, by the way, this is not a condemnation of meat. This has nothing to do with being a vegetarian. Actually, the word used for vegetable is, it it literally translates to be sown. So it's, it includes grains and wheats. So there's bread in this diet, right? So, so what's the issue? If the issue isn't the meat, the clue is actually the wine. There was nothing in the Israel in, in the Israelite diet that would have prohibited them from drinking wine. The issue is that this meat and this wine that would have come from the king's table would have been uh, offered to and blessed by idols. This was about passive, passive at best, idol worship. We do this. What about when you watch TV shows that are filled with sex or just anti-Christian? worldviews. At best, that's passive idol worship. What about books that do the same thing? How about music that worships crime, wealth, sex, and drugs? Are you consuming things that have been offered to idols? How about social media? Just about everything I've ever consumed on social media was idol worship. It was the world praising all the things that God isn't. Another time when I was in the Army, we did uh, land navigation. So land navigation, at this particular course, you had your your big heavy backpack on again, and they would say, uh, you're going to start at point A, and we're going to give you the map and the compass and the grid coordinates to point B, and you're going to travel there. And when you get to point B, we'll give you point C. And this was a particularly hard course because this course, they said, you can't use roads. Just straight through the woods. You can't get on roads. You can't even go near roads. You can only cross them straight across, and then you've got to keep moving through the woods. Well, the interesting thing is, as I began to do this course, there's times where you find yourself going downhill, and the vegetation gets thicker and thicker. And before you start going uphill again, in this in-between portion is a swamp. And when you get into that swamp, you can't see more than about an inch in front of your face in any direction. Keep in mind, this is nighttime. So literally, all you have around you is vines and trees and branches, and there's water up to your ankles. So you now have to figure out how to get out of this. And here's what happened. 
I would look the direction, I would look at my compass and I would say, okay, I gotta go this direction. And I would look that direction and I would think, I kind of feel like I can see the way out of here. I feel like I can see where it gets less dense. And I would begin to move that direction and I would have to fight my way through branches and vines and then I would relook at my compass and somehow in two steps, I was facing a different direction. Two steps. That is the definition of a mental health battle. It is a world that's closed in around your face and you can't make it two steps without feeling like you're going a different direction. Do you know the only way I got out of there? I had to stare directly at my compass and I had to take every single step moving the direction my compass was telling me to go. Now, did looking at my compass magically teleport me out of the swamp? No, it didn't. But I had to pay attention to where this was telling me to go. This is your compass. This is your map. Going to church, being involved, plugged in. This is how you get out of this quagmire. And it's not magic. If you have sin in your life that's causing you to be disciplined in some way, the right answer is to turn to God and let Him begin to sort this out and lessen that load. If this is just the trial of a broken body in a world that's collapsed by sin, guess what the right answer is? Same thing. You still turn to God and you get the input that helps you bear it. Listen, uh, when Krista spoke, she was talking about a specific topic. She was talking about people who make a checklist out of holiness. And they got to go to every church event because they're not holy unless they make it to everything. And she was dead on talking about this. But there's another group of people that has a totally different problem. And I want, I want to talk to that group tonight. When you say, well, I'm just, I'm struggling with my mental health. I'm struggling with, with something at work. I had a bad day. And you stay home from church to watch Netflix. I'm telling you right now, you're wrong. You are consuming things that tear you down. You're drinking Mountain Dew when you're thirsty. You need water. Now, I'm not telling you come to church because it's on your checklist of holiness. I'm telling you come to church because this is where people pour into you, where they love on you, where you hear the Word of God. This is how you consume the right thing for this battle. Listen, don't hear me say that, that meds are wrong. Don't, don't hear me say that, that meds are fake or this battle's not real or don't take medication. I'm not saying just pray. Just paste on a, a smile and pray and everything will work out. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that if you're in the middle of a crisis, that what you're putting into your body is definitely taking you one direction or the other. What I'm trying to tell you is that if you're constantly putting garbage in your brain, it's making it worse. Daniel is in the middle of a crisis. But he decided in the middle of that crisis to put good things in his brain. Philippians chapter 4 verse 8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, think about these things. As for the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, 
practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Some of the problems that you guys have in this room, I want you to think through this with me. I have conversations with this age group a lot, and one of the things I hear is this. It sounds like when you're high, you don't think you're ever going to be low again. Why prepare to be low? Everything's great. And then you find yourself woefully unprepared for the next battle. And then when you're low, you're never going to be high again, so why try? Listen, when you're in the valley, you're headed towards a mountaintop. You just have to keep going. And when you're on the mountaintop, you better be building up for the next valley. You can't just be in one place your whole life. You won't be. That's not how life works. It would have been easier for Daniel to just eat this, eat the king's food. It wouldn't have attracted any attention. He wouldn't have made himself stand out among his peers in, a, I'm sure, a bad way at first. It would have been easier, but sin always is easier. Let me ask you this. What do you think God could do if you gave him 10 straight days? Do you think that would have an effect? Let me ask you this. When was the last time you read your Bible for 10 straight days? And I don't mean opened it up, scanned words, shut it. I'm talking about dove in and got something out of it. What about this? When was the last time you prayed for 10 straight days? And again, I'm not talking about, uh, Jesus, bless my mom, bless my dad, help me have a good day, uh, amen. I'm talking about real prayer, a real conversation with a real God. When was the last time you did that for 10 days? How about this? When was the last time you went 10 days without social media? Or 10 days without trash TV? How about 10 days without porn? When was the last time that you set aside all the things that are making your mental health struggle worse and picked up the one thing that makes it better? Would all your problems be solved? No issues? No mental health struggles? No. But when was the last time you gave God 10 straight days? And keep in mind, Daniel didn't do it when it was just easy. He was already in exile. He was already captured. They'd already lost the war. He gave God 10 straight days when he resolved in his mind, when he decided, not when it felt the best or it was the easiest. Look in verse 17. And as for these four youths, God gave them knowledge and intelligence in every kind of literature and expertise. Daniel even understood all kinds of visions and dreams. Then at the end of the days, which the king had specified for presenting them, the commander of the officials presented them before Nebuchadnezzar. And the king talked with them. And out of them all, not one was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's personal service. As for every matter of expertise and understanding about which the king consulted them, he found them ten times better than all the soothsayer priests and conjurers who were in all the realm. And Daniel continued until the first year of Cyrus the king. Listen, you know what part of the problem is? Part of the problem is that you guys, sometimes you guys buy into this lie that God has failed you. Okay, I've been there. If you know my testimony... You know that I went through a, a terrible 
divorce. I have sat on my couch in the dark, staring at the wall all night long, thinking, God, you failed. You let me down. I was alone. I was isolated. And I thought that there was not ever going to be an up after this. Don't you think Daniel felt that way? You know what's interesting about this story? We're told about four people, but there's other boys in this story that we don't get their names. That they're not remembered. Chances are, they they crumbled. They bought in. They became Babylonians. They bought into the lies of the culture around them. They consumed. We know that they that only these four were the ones consuming things that didn't defile them. These other boys aren't known. I'm going to say something, and I want you to hear that this comes from a place of love. Quit crying about going to TCC. God did not fail you because you go to school here. Are you crying about having a crummy job or because you had a bad breakup? Are you crying because God has failed you? Again, I'm not saying paste a smile on and ignore the pain. I'm saying quit feeding yourself the lie that God failed and now you're stuck. That is not the truth of God's Word. Let me ask you this. Do you believe in an all-powerful God? Do you believe in an all-knowing God? Do you believe that this Word is true? If you believe that this word is true and you believe in an all-knowing and all-powerful God, then you can't simultaneously act like He's constantly failing you. I want you to hear this. Mental health is not an indication of who you are as a person. It's an indication of what you're doing with your mind. You're not a bad person because you have mental health struggles. But what are you doing to fight it? When you're sick, you take medicine. When you're thirsty, you drink water. When you're broken, you seek healing from the God of healing. Listen, take your medicine. Don't come to church every day if you're just flat out exhausted. Just hear me say this. There's a spiritual aspect to this battle. And that applies to whatever battle you're going through. We're talking about mental health. But whatever you're facing, there's a spiritual side. In verse 21, it says, Daniel continued. Some of you don't think you're going to continue. Day by day, it's a miracle that you do. Some of you look to the rest of us like you're continuing. You're walking around, you're talking, but you're not actually continuing. You're stuck. Daniel chapter 1 makes it clear how Daniel continued. He got filled up by the God of all creation.
Hey guys, this is Philip Jackson, pastor of Young Adults at Evergreen Baptist Church. I want to invite you to come to Reach. We meet every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. at Evergreen Church in South Tulsa, just east of Mingo on 111th Street. The mission of Reach Tulsa is to cultivate a young adult community that's defined by real transformation and a sincere pursuit of a godly life through training in biblical disciplines, personal development, and intentionally transitioning into independence as mature members of the body of Christ. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe to our content. We're available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Reach Young Adult Ministry is a part of Evergreen Baptist Church in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information and additional lessons, please visit our website, evergreenbc.org.